0: Keep calm and cauliflower, keep calm and cauliflower, keep calm and cauliflower cheese. Keep calm and cauliflower, keep calm and cauliflower, keep calm and cauliflower cheese. Keep calm and cauliflower, keep calm and cauliflower, keep calm and cauliflower cheese yes hello my lovelies hello love it's uh chappy the british butler with you for the 11th edition two ones make 11 and it's the 11th edition of keep calm and cauliflower cheese welcome along there's histrionics tremblings from the heavens this afternoon in a huge storm here in uh here in uh colorado um i think it's the end of the world is dampened down the moths a little bit it's uh, Chappie's uh, arm or Chappie's Mothman prophecies that we see every night thousands and thousands of moths camping out over a fruit tree I can't get rid of them, it's an infestation I tell you and then I also saw fantastic Mr. Fox uh, Urban Fox on my doorstep on Monday running away, bushy tail beautiful red colour Probably going to find one of the thousands of rabbits that I have around here as well. But what a sight! All the creatures of the night are frequenting uh, Chappie Towers at the moment. Uh, welcome along to the program. I apologize for the thunderstorm in the background, lightning bolts, my dogs barking. We like to keep things very, very rustic here uh, on the podcast. Um, Some of the things that we may or may not be talking about uh, today. uh, Leaked rules show how pubs and restaurants and hotels will open in England. Everything's opening on the 4th of July, which is a a little bit ironic, I suppose, with, um, you know, War of Independence and everything else, you know, coming back down in the day. But... uh, that's what's going to be happening. It's going to be um, 4th of July. We're going to have the pubs, bars and restaurants opening in England. They're all open here in uh, in Colorado. Other things that we may or not may be talking about this afternoon on the podcast. I was never in a love triangle with your wife. Elon Musk tells Johnny Depp. Private pools are the new way forward for the rich to splash out. The prolific egg poacher fights to avoid extradition. We can't go to the pub so the pub came to us and then fighting hitler's army with large carrots how to get dressed in the summer let's talk summer trousers and uh maybe we delving and hiding in the butler's nook earlier we're going to be having a game of scallywag headline darts and um possibly uh delving into why the wealthy woman's covert woes were meant to be a joke and that uh, porky Brits are now actually fatter than pigs. Um, What wins? Does the American Accelerated Astronomical Kettle, or how about the uh, British uh, Bumbling Bubbler Kettle? Which kettle do you think is going to win? All on the podcast. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. So porky Brits are now actually fatter than pigs. A striking change in the shape and heft of one of Britain's most familiar farm animals may soon rid the English language of one of its most distasteful insults. While Britons have become getting heavier, pigs are no longer as fat and it may be one day a compliment to be told you're as thin as a pig. A new study on the shrinking silhouette of the average British porker has coincided with the latest government health survey in England that uh, confirms the continuing expansion of the average British waistline. Changes in the way that pigs are bred and reared are producing a significantly leaner animal with only 16% fat or weight weight. than two decades ago, humans are actually heading in the opposite direction. The proportion of British adults deemed obese has risen from 15% to 28% today. I think it may be even larger here in the US. If the average British pig has 16% body fat, then for sure it's lower than your average person in the UK," said Susan Jebb, professor of diet and population at Oxford University. So, I mean, if you're going to be a piece of pork, which piece of pork do you think it would be? I mean, the indication in this article here is that the uh, most British people and probably some Americans, or people in the Western world anyway, are more like the pork belly than maybe a lean pork shoulder or pork leg. But have you ever thought which piece of pork would you be? Would you be a piece of fatty back bacon, or would you be, you know, a more slender piece of or cut of meat? I mean, I think I'm a, I'm a big fan of the pork belly. I think it would be uh, pretty uh, apt for me. I've, I've gained the COVID 10 pounds that uh, a lot of people have. So I think the pork belly would be very apt and very prevalent uh, right at the moment. But there we go. So ladies and mantelpieces, it's now a compliment to be as thin as a pig. And us humans are uh, getting much, much fatter and more porky as time goes by. So we definitely have a little bit of a, a tea obsession here on the program. Uh, I think we like to uh, educate our dear listeners in uh, how long to steep a tea bag, whether to loose, use loose leaf teas or the tea bag. Um, certainly, don't bung the uh, water in the microwave and then uh, with the tea bag in it, and then a half a cup of milk and sugar, as we've uh, seen recently. But Dame Karen Pierce uses fine art of tea making to cement anglo and american relations so when dame karen pierce was appointed british as um, britain's ambassador to the u.s in february she no doubt considered a pivotal role in cementing the special relationship with our most important ally now however in a major diplomatic initiative prompted by one of the worst tea-based rifts in anglo-american relations since the boston tea party our lady in washington has taken to social media to explain to the u.s all audience how to make a proper cuppa. The fundamentals can be summed up as this. It does not involve a microwave. It does not involve three quarters of a pound of sugar. It does not consist chiefly of milk. A kettle would be a good idea. Dane Karen's initiative was prompted by the social media posts by an American woman living in the UK on how to make British tea. The version of tea included, included by Michelle who posts under TikTok jshell36 was perhaps unusual. It involved warming a cup of water in a microwave uh-uh, for one minute, not usually enough to bring the water to boiling temperature. It has to be 212 degrees. God damn it. Um then she got her daughter to pour in the milk about a third of a cup before dropping the tea bag in. You have to be careful when you're tea bagging. Finally they added the sugar. It was hard to tell how much, but four teaspoons would be a conservative estimate. With an air of triumph, Michelle concluded that is how you make hot tea. Well, but in an American accent. Not surprisingly, many disagreed. This is a crime, another said. A little bit of me died inside when I watched this. Indeed, it was such a travesty of a cup of tea. Frankly, even the French could manage better than that. And we're wondering if it was a spoof. Introducing a short film on Twitter, Dame Karen, the Anglo-American relationship is defined by tea. And we've made a number of requests to show how to make a real cup of tea. She then introduced what she called her military advisers a paratrooper, a sailor, and an RAF pilot who demonstrated the art of making a proper cup of tea. None of them involved the microwave, although the parrot did use powdered milk. Oh, what an anathema. But he was in, in the wood at the time. Undeterred since then, Michelle has posted a video on how to make British eggs, involves sugar, and large quantities of whipped cream, which is probably not the best look. So I think one of the keys to making tea is, as I said, you need to get the water up to 212 degrees and a tea kettle, which is a marvellous invention. Now, when I first came to the States nearly 20 years ago, the tea kettle, the electric tea kettle was nowhere to be seen. Now, you can get the one that boils on the stove, old fashioned style, but um, alas, it takes so long. The tea kettle actually takes probably between three and five minutes and you can heat it to various range of temperatures. i think before the white teas need a lower temperature the black teas need it much much hotter for it to steep and stew and brew better so i think this is something that we we have to think about now i was told in the week that i'm more of a british bumbling bubbler kettle versus the accelerated astronomical american kettle i think that's how i was described so I don't know. I do like to uh, meander, as I said to you before. Smell the roses along the way. Walk around with rose-covered spectacles and just take my time. I'm more of a, a cyclist with a basket and a bell than uh, in than in aerodynamic shorts and shirts and one of those aerodynamic helmets. That really isn't me. Give me the bell. Give me the uh, give me the bicycle. Bicycle clips, bicycle clips, and I'm away and probably going to go and get myself some clotted cream and a scone mix whilst I'm out peddling around. There's a very interesting article uh, in the week in the London Times by David Aranovich that many of us don't want to see more people. Lockdown is a misanthrope's heaven. Not everybody will bemoan those cancelled theatre trips and family parties. And uh, David was saying earlier in the week, a friend of his, had to break up a fight outside a bagel shop. The issue was socially distanced queuing etiquette. And he consoled himself with the thought that there's another shop that now delivers bagels and that he wouldn't have to run the risk of watching grown investment bankers or software entrepreneurs squaring off with each other ever again. I mean, many of the young and millennials and uh, Gen Zs want to get back out there again, partying going to nightclubs, going to the beach, but there is another side. just before the non-essential shops opened back in the UK, huge queues formed outside certain stores. The most remarked upon were those made up of people waiting to visit various branches of Primark, which is an English uh, clothing store, budget fashion retailer. There was a lot of cattiness and social media, so you've been in your house for three months and you'll risk catching the coronavirus to go to Primark. I mean, is it even worth it, said one person. David says for weeks now, in addition not being able to see some people I like, I have not had an encounter anybody I didn't want to. No one at all. On my long walks, the roads had been empty of honking, polluting motorists. Chopin was taken out of the people-infested Emporia and became a credit card detail on an online site and a person delivering to the door then going away. Without the worries suffered by parents of locked down young children, the biggest irritation became visitors flocking to a nearby park that he regarded belonging to himself." most of us jumped on the point which is known as the boo-hoo train bemoaning the losses of lockdown but there's another less fashionable truth which is that lockdown has become a misanthropes heaven and many people are misanthropic quite a few of us go through life in a perpetual state of barely suppressed irritation with other people or as the late great american comedian bill hicks once put it tired of the black back slapping isn't humanity neat bullshit we're in a virus So beware and be careful. The outright misanthropic expresses more clearly that many of us feel most of the time. Not everyone has ached to visit their aged mother in the distant care home. They knew that they were supposed to. Everybody told them so, but they didn't actually want to. Not everybody is looking forward to having no excuse for avoiding pub excursions with a noisy friend. Writing about the lockdown, Tom Stoppard, the, uh, the poet and um, wrote some beautiful uh, plays as well, said he thought life he'd always wanted social distancing without social disapproval. All of those events you no longer had to dress up for, prepare for, all of those encounters you no longer had to anticipate. Most of us are much more ambivalent than we like to acknowledge. We're capable of celebrating just a little when the dinner party host rings to disappoint us at short notice. The disappearance of even the pleasurable dates from the social diary, both a sadness but also a simplification. Uh, David's been interested by how theatre managers and owners often unconsciously in tune with their audience, sense this ambivalence and worry about theatre goers returning. Somehow they know that they're capable of buying tickets to the theatre, then being relieved that they can't go or feeling surprisingly happy when the performance ends. This isn't true of all of us all the time, or even most of us most of the time, but I think it's true that some of us, some of the time, and we don't like to admit it. Human encounters represent both opportunity and danger. We may look uh, for somebody else, the Primarch Cure, the Magaluf brig- Brigadier, the Bagel Brawler, but also regard us, as Satter famously wrote in his play No Exit, hell is other people. Or as he explained in the sentiment later, by the mere appearance of the other, I put in the position of passing judgment on myself as upon an object, for it is an object that I appear to as the other. For months, that that judgmental other has largely disappeared from our lives, but now lockdown is easing off and she'll be back. And soon some of us will pine for the days of silent streets and cancelled commitments. Just after an afterword of caution. When when, um, David put the thesis to the time colleague, I told him that a lot of people felt this way. He said, no, David, it's just you. And I think that's how I feel some of the time. You know, sometimes you feel pressured into social engagements and social commitments. It's rather fun just having a cup of tea, petting your dog at the end of the day, maybe listening to some gentle jazz or uh, maybe some uh, Butler chamber music, perhaps. So we have Tales from La Campania, Tales from the French Countryside my wonderfully rascalous, naughty, impish uncle um, was in the week telling me about where he, uh, where he lives, which is basically almost the centre of the Loire Valley in France, and he told me that I should visit St. Benoit de Salt. St. Bernard de Salt is a picturesque village on a raised hill overlooking a broad meander on the Cruz River. It is the Indre department 20 kilometres west of argentine sur creuse And to the very south of the center region. The village owes its origins to the Benedictine monks who themselves in the uh, area around the 10th century have chosen the site, raised on a rocky outcrop because of its defensive advantage and it's known as one of the most beautiful villages in France and I think you can get a good bottle of plonk there as well. Good cheap quality plonk anyway. The village of saint bernard de Salt that you visit today with its pretty narrow streets of medieval houses dates from the 15th and 16th century. With the original village center based around the church, the priory and the fort and some ramparts. Outside the fort area the historic village was surrounded by further ramparts including the Grimard Tower. The main pleasure is simply strolling around the village admiring the many small highlights that remind us of the history of the village. Half-timbered buildings, glimpsed through ancient stone archways narrow cobbled streets hemmed by the ancient houses with doors made the old-fashioned way with large nails ornate stone linnets, and the unusual fruit roof designs that make Saint Benoit de Salt an ideal medieval village I almost imagine my uncle after maybe uh, pinching one of the local derrières being put in the stocks and maybe pounded with uh, rotten French fruit who knows? But he does tell me that the uh, Boyer Bay's at one of the local restaurants is, uh, is very, very amazing. And he uses a piece of uh, rather uh, crusty baguette, soft in the middle, to mop up all the delicious gravy and juice and unctuous delight of the boeuf Bay's. We'll have more tales from the French countryside. I think we're going to do a wishy were here type of thing where he's going to take us around some of the villages and some of the suggestions of where you should go if you are in the Loire Valley. Yes, ladies and mantelpieces, we have the first ever edition of Scallywag Headline Darts. Keep out of the gutter and out of the red. Nothing in this game for three and a bid. So we've got the various categories here. You've got miss the Board, the Triple 20, the Bullseye, and Chappie's Special Prize. So what we're going to do is we're going to take uh, some headlines over the course of um, over the course of the last week some from the actual gutter press and uh, some from the broadsheet newspapers as well Um, but here we go so I think this one misses the board Harry and Meghan could charge one million dollars per speech in the US you know what I would give advice in speeches for a Cornish pasty in Cadbury's chocolate, or maybe even a scoop of gelato. So I think that one, Harry and Meghan one, definitely uh, definitely does miss the board. Um, and then we've got uh, we've got the next one here. I mean, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna put this one down as a uh, I'm gonna put this one down as a uh, triple twenty here elderly couple accidentally burns house down during sex game involving World War II flamethrower so there we go we got that one World War World War II flamethrower involved in a sex game I think that's your uh, triple 20 uh, we'll melt again, don't know where don't know when, but I know we'll melt again, some fiery day the old couple are just keeping the fires burning, I would say. That's what I think, anyway. Um, and I think we got our bullseye here this week. The bullseye is... Irish midget accused of posing as a leprechaun to exhort sex from 26 women in exchange for a pot of gold. So you got the Irish midget... I know the price of gold is exorbitant these days but that's just ridiculous. Keep your hands off my lucky charms. Lucky are apparently very lucky and probably have uh, and probably have the small uh, small man syndrome as well. I would say. So I think Chappie's probably his special prize Chappie's special prize this week would be um, did see in the new in, in the week about the uh, the wonders of uh, the wonders of tequila, the 10 amazing health benefits of tequila during the week. And number one, drinking tequila helps you lose weight. Tequila is beneficial for the gut, it controls diabetes, it prevents dementia, it improves your bone health, and you do not get drunk on tequila. I don't know about that one and it does help you sleep but pretty restless sleep I would say you never never have a you never have a, a a pure night's sleep when you drink tequila tequila is also fantastic for bowel disease patients it eliminates pain it also cuts cholesterol it is really the magical elixir without a doubt you know what I think we should do though I think we should add the turmeric to the tequila and make a turmeric and tequila uh beautiful margarita i think it could help with the tummy issues it can dye clothes that are white that you don't want to be uh it also can even uh whiten yellow teeth uh yellow british teeth i know that's sort of a pretty much an arse backwards viewpoint because uh british teeth are yellow in the beginning but british teeth can even be whitened with the use of turmeric so you've got all the wonders And the use of tequila in the margarita. You add some turmeric in there as well. I think you've got a winning absolute masterpiece of a cocktail there. So let me know in the week. Write in. Send your postcards to Chappie the British Butler at Chappie Towers in Colorado. And let me know how it fared when you drunk the tequila and beautiful turmeric cocktail. Thanks very much indeed. So many think that uh, Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese is a well-oiled machine of a podcast. Well, I tell you what, the uh, dart sound effects in the last little feature didn't take off. Uh, The uh, Scallywag uh, darts feature that we have. Arras, as you would say uh, in uh, Cockney rhyming uh, slang. If you're near the bow bells, the sound of the bow bells, it'd be arrows. Anyway, these are some of the sound effects Beautiful dart sound effects. That's what we should have had, ladies and mantelpieces. But alas, once again, Chappie's soundboard failed miserably. So alas, a lot of theater uh, across the UK, across the whole world, isn't gonna open again till next year, um, which is very, very sad. Uh, in, the, in the news in the week, uh, there was a lot of talk obviously about the traditional pantomimes not being able to open uh, this Christmas time which is a very traditional uh, British Christmas fair. really um, it's a theatre production that is, um, you know, pretty cheesy, pretty corny lots of slapstick, um, a lot of uh, B-list actors star in it and it's uh, basically cin- uh, Cinderella, Dick Whittington, um, you know all of those types of fairy tales so to be a pantomime version of the story a production must be for all of our american friends and people who don't know what pantomimes are set in a romanticized version and vision of the local community celebrated in a song by a chorus of townspeople see love triumph and villains redeemed have its villain enter from stage left and its hero from stage right Feature original songs and parodies of the popular songs of the day and the sing-along lyrics printed on an enormous song sheet so the audience can sing along. Contain slapstick, revel in double entendre, uh, challenge the audience into call and response with the characters. Like, he's behind you! No, he's not. He's behind you. Feature a dame with a man in a matronly drag who makes risque jokes and throws sweets into the audience. I know you'd only get it in the UK, allow actors to, to acknowledge the audience presence whilst remaining in danger within the story. At some point, bring a child from the audience onto the stage. Uh, there, there is a tradition that scenes alternate between those played in front of brightly coloured show clothes and those among elaborate sets using the full expense of the stage. Decided upon before the days of flying and automated scenery, this tradition is no longer necessary, but can create a hurling momentum if it's retained. However, the convention of the lead boy is played by a female actor. That's the tradition. So you have men dressed as women. So you get the ugly sisters. You have some pretty ugly guys dressed as uh, the ugly sisters. And then you would have... um, uh the lead uh, lead male played by a woman i know very old-fashioned very traditional very amusing lots of uh, raunchy double entendres and much bord- bordery type of behavior during the pantomime so here's a story that'll turn the stem- stomachs of many ladies listening to the podcast and some mantelpieces i'm sure as well dirty secret men only buy underwear every five years men are pants at buying pants So, underpants. Undercrackers. Choosing not to replace old friends in their underwear drawers until given no choice by their wives, girlfriends, and in some cases mothers. Researchers have found that the average British male only invests in new underwear once every five years. The study found that Some men even hang on to their perished underpants and undercrackers for more than 20 years. More than two in five admit that their partners buy underwear, while more than a third still rely on their mothers. Most men said they receive a a pants present from their parents, grandparents at least once a year, usually at Christmas. So that's when they replace the the, uh, old knickers. Nick Clinch, founder of Tom Clinch, the menswear brand, said it's deeply depressing to discover that men invest in something as important as underwear so infrequently. Men don't hesitate to throw money expensive suits and cut, but cut the corners when buying underwear. He says he often sees women trudging around shops dutifully buying packs of underpants for their husbands and boyfriends. Some of it's laziness, some of it's simply bad habits. But we want to prioritize looking and feeling great. As one of the first items of clothes that we put on the day. Despite the popularity the boxer shorts made fashionable in the 1980s and they appeared in that famous Levi where the chaps under crackers are appearing above the jeans, uh, men are still reluctant to buy um, underwear on a day-to-day basis. He says, I've noticed something very troubling has happened. There's no other way to put it. The pants no longer provide adequate support. When I've discussed this with friends and acquaintances, it's revealed that the widespread gusset anxiety. Mr. Clinch of his company said his company's developed a pair of boxer shorts that includes a revolutionary pouch at the front to provide that elusive support. So there we go, ladies and gentlemen. We have a revolutionary pouch that will give support for even the biggest of men, the smallest of men, and those inadequate or need a little bit of, a, a little bit of help, maybe a little bit of lolly stick uh, um, assistance in certain moments. Um, but there we go. But you know what? I, I always find the underpants, as well, if, I, if I'm not using the knotted handkerchief on a hot summer's day, a pair of undercrackers on top of the head that has a few holes in, aerates, It allows a lot of air and it's absolutely superb to keep the sun off one's head whilst allowing uh, the requisite amount of air inside. Whilst I was at university, I did use to reverse the undercrackers, thinking that they'd clean themselves, then put them back around the right way and then eventually wash them maybe three weeks later. So as I said at the beginning of the programme, I'm in the midst of a rather tempestuous storm hammering on the window, trembling in the heavens here. And it made me think of a rather lovely poem um, that, uh, that I read by uh, Dana Gior, called The Summer Storm. We stood on the rented patio while the party went on inside. You know from the groom from college, I was a friend of the bride. We hugged the brownstone wall behind us to keep our dress clothes dry and watched the sudden summer storm floodlit the sky. The rain was like a waterfall of brilliant beaded light Cool and silent as the stars, the storm hid from the night. To my surprise you took my arm, a gesture you didn't explain, and we spoke in whispers as if we, too, might imitate the rain. Then suddenly the storm receded as swiftly as it came. The doors behind us opened up, the hostess called your name. I watched you merge into the group, aloof and yet polite. We didn't speak another word except to say good night why does this evening's memory return with this night's storm a party 20 years ago its disappointments warm there are many might have been what ifs that once stayed to buried other cities other jobs strangers we might be married and memory insists on pining for places it never went as if life might would be happier just by being different so thank you very much uh, One and all for uh, listening to the podcast this afternoon. Um, Enjoying all the feedback that you're getting. It's at Keep Cheese on Twitter, uh, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio. Tune in as well. All of them carry the podcast. But to end, we're going to have uh, over the course of the next few weeks here, um, some Butler etiquette rules. Um, And something to remember as I leave you today, my dear wonderful delicious people a butler should always knock three times on the door when delivering a newspaper letter or post remember to deliver it on the principal's writing side and discretion a butler should never speak more than necessary and when it is appropriate to do so it should also and always be in a clear tone cheerio